All right, welcome to a live Bogosity podcast for the week of August 20th, 2017, the podcast that's the epitome of net non-neutrality. It's also the podcast where nothing is working, which is why you don't hear music right now, but this is your host, Shane Killian, and joining us so far is It's Abomins. Yep. And Daniel Wilcox. Hello. We might get Charles in a little later, and I'm not sure who else. I uh, Just kind of on a whim, I also opened it up to people who chat in the Discord, so we'll see who shows up. But uh, we do need to get a few notes before we get going. Uh, first of all, you may have noticed there was no podcast last week because I had a shoot. I've got another shoot this Friday as well, so I'll have to cancel that one too. That's why I really wanted to get this one out and ended up having to do it live because... It's crazy, but, you know, bills need to be paid, so. Oof. Bills. Yeah. Now, a second note. Our co-host, Jacob Morris, is having a short story published in the Clarion Call, Volume 3, which should be out in late November, and the story is called Necromancer for Hires, so be sure to check that out. I've put a link in the show notes. I imagine some of his style is reminiscent of Jim Butcher. (laughs) And if someone can give me a reminder when it comes out, and I'll make another announcement in the podcast then. One more quick note. A lot of you may have noticed that LastPass has increased the price of LastPass Premium to $2 a month. Some say, eh, it's still worth it. Others say, oh, no, it's horrible. I'm never using it again. I actually think they did a pretty good job holding off on the price increase as long as they did. But free version still gets you most of what you need, and... Also, apparently, they're adding one gigabyte of encrypted file storage to premium, so I'll have to check that out when they add it and see how secure it is. They haven't let us down yet, but it's really been hard finding a good TNO cloud storage solution. And they're also adding a new families option I'm going to try out as soon as they can. Premium people get like a six-month trial to it. When it comes out, it's going to be $4 a month, and the idea is that you can just set up for up to six family members and share all your passwords together, and your other family members automatically get premium access. Isn't that illegal now, sharing passwords? Uh, no, in fact, you kind of have to do it for sites like Netflix and Hulu. Yeah, I, I heard it, like they, they passed a law against something. Against against sharing your password? Yeah. Yeah, there, there are so many websites that are going to be made illegal if they do that. That's not going to happen. Oh, uh, uh, who's joining us here? Jonathan? Uh, we, Jonathan, welcome. We do have a new face. Hey. Are you from the Discord? Um, yeah, I am. Cool. Good to talk to you. Hey, man. So let's replanerate the news of the bogus. Perth Waldorf School is a private alternative school in Australia where apparently the anti-vaxxers have taken hold. And the administrator's an anti-vaxxer too. And guess what? A lot of unvaccinated students there may have been exposed to measles. Oof. Wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, there was a year 10 student diagnosed with measles in early August. Apparently he had been out of the country and... He wasn't vaccinated, and so they sent out a notification to parents, but when the Western Australia government offered to send a mobile immunization unit, the school didn't respond. 
Why? So wait, for a change, the Australian government isn't the problem? Right, yes. Wow. They're oh, not doing thinking. something stupid as well. They probably are doing something stupid, but not this. <laughs> uh, according to some reports, as many as half of the school's 400 students may be unvaccinated, but the school doesn't release any details about that, so we don't know for sure. They have children from early childhood to high school, and they even run a weekly baby group for infants less than a year old. And they're not releasing any information on this? No, no, I mean, they said that there was measles there, but, you know, they wouldn't wouldn't get the... uh, vaccination unit or anything like that and and all right needless to say australian doctors think they're idiots dr omar korshid said quote it is very concerning that a school would not be interested in making sure its students are protected from measles particularly when you know you have a high risk situation with the carrier of measles and where you've got a couple of hundred kids who are not immune Schools need to take responsibility, and even if you have a slightly different view and have a view on freedoms and choices and so on, you still have a civic responsibility to do the right thing. Yeah. Amen to that. Throughout Western Australia, there have been 13 reported cases of measles so far this year. That's more than in all of 2015 and 2016 combined. Oh, dear. Fuck. And we talked before about how quickly measles spread. Something that's been exposed to measles, if a sufferer has sneezed or coughed on it or something like that, can continue to transmit the disease for up to two hours. And you also need about 94% of the population to become immune in order to stop measles. And since the vaccine isn't 100% effective, there's not really much room for people to say, oh, gee, I don't think I'll get the vaccine. Also, contrary to what the anti-vaxxers say, measles is not harmless. Two out of every thousand children who get measles die from it. Those who don't can develop pneumonia and encephalitis, which can cause deafness and permanent brain damage. Measles can also damage the immune system permanently. You got to love those people who downplay, oh, you should just let your kids get measles, get it out of the way. <laughs> That's not how this no. works. You got to no. build up your immune system, you know? Just start you got to get the disease so you can become immune to the disease so you won't get the disease. And then they complain that the, that the vaccination contains traces of the disease. Of the disease. <laughs> that does not how vaccines work. Wait, wasn't the first vaccination by, like, George Washington putting, like, Rotting. God, it was infected. It was, it, it was cowpox because they realized that milkmaids were less apt to get oh. smallpox, and they found out that cowpox was similar enough to smallpox that you could use that to inoculate someone, and they'd have a resistance to smallpox. Mm, all right, so that was kind of close. Chris Hangartner in the house. Yo, hey. Chris. There you are, Chris. Can you hear me? Yep. Can you hear me? Five by five. It feel it felt weird without you being here, Chris. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry, sorry. I fell asleep. I had I, I've been working a lot of five to one shifts. So yeah, oh, yeah. We're just finishing up our first story on Australians who just won't vaccinate their little ankle biters like they're supposed to. 
And the government wasn't the problem this time. Just, have, just, have, just, have, a, just have a pox party. <laughs> yeah, like that. Like I was watching an old South Park episode. Of South, and it was the chicken pox episode where... And it, they pulled the whole thing. They they pulled the whole you know classic example. Well, it's better for them to get it when they're younger because it's less deadly when they're kids. That's actually not one hundred percent true. This is how it's, the, it's the opposite in a lot of cases. It's yeah. definitely the case with pertussis. It, it's basically harmless to adults. It's kind of like a cold, but to a kid, it can be deadly. Yeah, this is, this is how and, epidemics start. Yep. Also, also, just a little side note in that episode. There's a there's a scene where. Where the doctor says, "Well, your son needs his antibiotic shot, or else he's gonna die." And I'm thinking, I, antibiotics don't work with viruses. Who made you a doctor? Right. Yeah. All right. So moving on to our next story. A while back, we talked about the WannaCry ransomware worm. It hit the NHS and many other places. Marcus Hutchins is a security researcher who reverse engineered WannaCry. He found out that the hackers had put in a kill switch. And that was a random domain name that WannaCry checks for, and if it doesn't resolve, it runs. If it does resolve, it stops. So apparently, the hackers felt that whenever they wanted to stop it, they could just register the domain name, and it wouldn't keep spreading. So Hutchins registered the domain name, stopped WannaCry in its tracks. Huh. So, yeah, the guy's a hero, right? Yeah. Sweet. Well, not according to the FBI. They arrested him in Las Vegas airport earlier this month when he was about to fly home to the UK from the DEF CON hacker conference. The Department of Justice has accused him of creating a banking Trojan to steal banking credentials and conspiracy to sell it for $3,000. On what grounds exactly? (laughs) Good morning, USA. This this gets weird, so let, let me get the facts out of the way, and then we'll do the commentary on it. Marcus has pleaded not guilty and been released on $30,000 bail. Now get this. The government tried denying him bail on the excuse that he had visited a gun range. The, the courts didn't go for that. But he can't leave the country. He's from the U.K., and the defense tried to get him released under U.K. authority before his trial, but that was denied. He's also specifically not allowed to do anything with WannaCry, which is weird because he's the one who single-handedly saved us from WannaCry. Uh, Makes me want to cry. Jealous at him. So... None of this passes the smell test with security experts or with people who know Hutchins. George Washington University law professor Oren Kerr, who has written extensively on cybersecurity and hacking cases, said the charges were, quote, a stretch. And the issue is that while the indictment claims that Hutchins wrote the malware, it says nothing about intent. Kerr explains, quote, it's not a crime to create malware. It's not a crime to sell malware. It's a crime to sell malware with the intent to further someone else's crime. This story alone doesn't really fit. There's got to be more to it or it's going to run into legal problems. So the stuff they've accused him of isn't even a crime. <laughs> yeah. I Is mean, it, did, I mean didn't we didn't not, we say I mean, didn't we say in one podcast that um uh, that there's actually a whole industry who deliberately creates malware, and that's to test the security system of computers. Well, they don't deliberately create malware. They deliberately create hacking utilities like penetration testing and things like that. 
But there's no way, I mean, it's the same stuff. Something that tests for ways into your network can be used to find ways into your network for the purpose of finding them and closing them off, or it can be used by a hacker to find the way in so we can exploit it. So, so it's basically like inoculation for cybersecurity. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've got to be able to run the exact same utilities that the hackers are using because that's what you're protecting it from. I mean, it would be like making a bulletproof vest but making it illegal to actually fire a gun at it to see if it works. <laughs> that's a good analogy. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. Not like that. So UK security architect Kevin Beaumont said, quote, I know Marcus. He has a business which fights against exactly this. It's all he does. He feeds that info to U.S. law enforcement. The DOJ has seriously effed this up. So did he say effed or are we just doing that to... The quote I have says effed. I don't know if he said effed or if the source censored it or what, but... The quote I have says F. And Jake Williams, security researcher with Rendition InfoSec, said that Hutchins has repeatedly refused offers of payments for help on projects. And when Hutchins was awarded a $10,000 bug bounty from HackerOne for stopping WannaCry, he gave it away to charity. Williams said, quote, I have pretty good black hat radar. It never went off when talking to Marcus or exchanging stuff with him. Yeah, Marcus seems pretty white hat, so... Man, this... Yeah, I mean, he's good, yeah. And they're arresting him for why again? They said he created a banking Trojan and tried to sell it for $3,000, which, even if that's true, that's not illegal. It's only illegal if you do it in order to further another crime. Yeah. So, firstly, citation needed. And second of all, it's not even a crime. Just none of this is making any sense. (laughs) You know, Big Daddy USA needs to have what they want. Yeah. yeah. And again, and again, this case are, uh, once again reminds me of Franz Kafka's The Trial, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're arresting you for a crime we just pulled out of our butts. Under what grounds? We can't tell you. Tell you. His trial is currently scheduled for October, but if the government is granted a complex designation, then that could be extended. I'm including a link to his legal defense fund, although from the response so far, I think he's going to have no problems getting the best defense he can. I mean, everyone is backing behind this guy. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. So best of luck to him. Yeah. Still shitty that he has to go to court, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this next story is something the press won't shut up about. It's gotten enormous coverage, and it's completely and utterly wrong. Last Thursday, during the USENIC Security Conference, a group of researchers at the University of Washington presented a 15-page paper entitled Computer Security, Privacy, and DNA Sequencing, Compromising Computers with Synthesized DNA, Privacy Leaks, and More. This got reported all over the place in the news media with, you can hack a computer with DNA. And I'm linking to a report to The Guardian from this. Uh, But that's just one example. It's just all over the place. The Guardian headline reads, hacking a computer using DNA is now a reality. Sorry, it isn't. Uh, Hello, hello. Hey, Charlie. 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 I'll just, you know, Charles in charge. No, no, no. Block him, please. Block him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was eating lunch, so. 
He okay. does not at all resemble Scott Bayo. <laughs> I'm all handsome. So, so um, Shane, you're, so Shane, you're saying you're saying that the media reported a, fo- a false story as true? What else shock. is new? What <laughs> yeah, else is shocker, new? I know. Yeah, but it's all I mean, over the place. I, so. I mean, I mean, hell, Shane. I mean, I, I don't know if you know him, but I forgot the guy's name. But there's actually so, several groups that that are dedicated to just making up bogus news stories just to see if the news will fall for it, and they often do. Well, 4chan does that all the time. That's where yeah. Pisscake came from. <laughs> the yeah. blacks can't drink milk. Yeah, oh, yeah. Hey, um, blacks can't drink milk. Well, oh, yeah, that's not true. I mean, you know, I've been drinking milk. Well, a long while. I haven't drunk some recently, but yeah. Are you? Yeah. Well, yeah. I know. I they know. Only, if you're, I know only, if you're Asian, I know if you're Asian, you're more likely to be lactose intolerant. They hmm. only have pro- they only have problems if they're lactose intolerant. <laughs> Just like everyone else. <laughs> yeah, Shane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a little off topic, but yeah, I remember that whole incident. You know, where like there was a guy during the "He will not divide us" for out of um, yeah, for, uh, for out of um, for out of just pure pure sake of chilling them. They showed up just like you know, like in a, as a Nazi, and he was drinking milk, and everyone kept saying, "Oh, a Nazi's drinking milk! Don't drink milk! If you drink milk, you're a Nazi." It's like, really, people, you know. When he lowered the glass, did he come away with a patch of milk just under his nose and no wider? I don't know. I don't remember, but it's just... Mm. All right, so here's what's going on with this DNA story. There is a compression algorithm called FASTQ. It's designed to compress nucleotide sequences, which means it's sort of like a zip file for DNA. The software to use it is free and open source. So these guys got the source code and deliberately created a security flaw in just the wrong place so that they could give it a DNA sequence that was too long and that overflowed the buffer. And buffer overflows are one big thing that hackers exploit to gain access and run software that isn't supposed to run. But it's not an actual flaw with FastQ, so... Yeah, so here we are. You know, people are like, "Oh my gosh, it's this thing," and reality comes in. It's like, uh, "No, it's not." You know, it's just um, just a random occurrence. You know, that sort of but, stuff. But even then, there's a serious problem. The DNA has to be a hundred percent error free in order for this exploit to run. Only seventy six point two percent of the DNA sequencing was read without error. Hmm, so combine that with the fact that DNA can be read from either direction, but the exploit only worked from one direction, so that cut the success rate in half to thirty-seven point four percent. Wow! So again, this is a very rare type of thing. So you're not going to see hackers using well, this type of thing. Just, it's just it's, completely contrived. I mean, it's interesting that you know something like that could conceivably be feasible, but the software would have to have a security hole in exactly the wrong place. The entire processing pipeline would have to be seriously flawed. And even then, in a best-case scenario, you'd have a little over one in three chance of it actually working. I mean, I don't see this being a tempting vector for for hackers. Well, won't stop uh, movie producers thinking this will be the next big thing. So get ready, ladies and gentlemen. The next two, maybe maybe by next year, you will see someone hacking um, the computers with their DNA and everything else. And they'll say, it's true, even though it's not. 
Well, I mean, movies can do fun things that just aren't realistic. That's fine. But as far as the real world is concerned, any proposed vulnerability has to be accompanied by a proof of concept, and they don't have one. I mean, it would be kind of like you can get the last pass source code because you have the JavaScript. It's embedded in the XPI file, and you can get that. So you take it, and just on your local copy, you program in a flaw that lets you get someone's master password, and then you run around going, last pass is flawed, last pass is flawed. No, it isn't. Yeah, I think people just want that one thing. They always want that. I'm sure it's flawed, but not in the way they're thinking. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they're saying it's possible to program in something that will let people hack their way in. Well, we know that. Of course we know that. You know, that, that's true of anything. Have you considered writing a book on cybersecurity? Uh, there, there are too many awesome books already. Uh, in fact, I think it's expired now, but uh, what's the name of that website? They, uh, Humble Bundle. You know, they come up with different bundles of, you know, different books for, like, dirt cheap and the proceeds go to charity. And so, like, a month or two ago, they had this cybersecurity bu- uh, bundle with all these great books in it. And uh, I was going through, I was like, man, this is good. I got to get this. It was like 15 bucks for all these books. And then I saw they had the 20th anniversary Applied Cryptography by Bruce Schneier, which is the one I cut my teeth on. And I was like, shut up and take my money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not actually looking for that like, in the bundle. But it's got books by, you know, Kevin Mitnick and other hackers and cybersecurity experts. I mean, it's great. Mm. So maybe they'll do another one like that soon. But, I mean, check them out. They've got all sorts. They seem to have a lot of uh, gaming books that are like that. Like, if you want to get into role-playing games, they'll have, like, a whole bunch of books about that system that you can get for dirt cheap. I remember they used to bundle pretty pretty big-name games. Yeah. And they have these little sliders at the bottom where you can control how much of it goes to which charity. Oh, that's neat. Oh, yeah. I wish our taxes worked like that. <laughs> that's actually the thing I say. You know, people say, well, you know, libertarians shouldn't take the uh, matching funds for elections because that's taxation and that's theft. Well, yeah, except it's the one part of our taxes they give us a choice on. Because you have to check that box for three dollars to go to the fund. So, yes, if if the private sector reformed taxation, oh yes, <laughs> there'd be far less bombing. And so, don't be fooled. Never panic by anything you see reported in the news media, particularly about technology. These guys just do not know what they're talking about, but they're always ready to sound the alarm. But as far as this. Hacking a computer with DNA is concerned. Move along, folks. There's nothing to see here. And now it's time to SMH at this week's biggest bogan emitter. And this week it goes to Bloomberg's John Totsi for, I don't even know how to describe this. Basically, he's claiming that corporations are profiting from a drop in life expectancy. How? Well, he claims... Well, I mean, they can't take any money from you when you're dead. (laughs) Yeah, that kind of reminds me of my mom's boyfriend. He he believes the conspiracy that they developed a cure that can cure all cancers and that they're not doing it because if they they sell it, then people won't get sick and they can't can't sell any more drugs. And I'm just thinking, uh, you don't know how economics work. 
Never I mind really, how diseases work. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like synonymous with the broken window fallacy. Yeah, I know. Like, and, uh, and I know it's a little off topic, but, you know, the sad truth is for all those people that are wishing for a miracle drug, guess what? Cancer doesn't work that way. Nope. No. There, there really isn't like, such you know a what? thing as cancer. One thing you can label and say this is cancer is actually a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. Well, Though, if they had a cure, why wouldn't also they sell it for top dollar to, like, the richest elites? Right. Yeah, you know. If that was their motive. Yeah, but yeah, this article, wow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Totsi claims, quote, if people don't end up living as long as they were... as they were projected to just a few years ago, their employers ultimately won't have to pay them as much in pension and other lifelong retirement benefits. Wow. <laughs> so, again, you know, it just seems like it's all part of a huge thing. It's, everyone thinks there's a huge uh, plan or something because of these type of, like, correlation, you know. This correlation does not have causation majority of the time, and yet people seem to forget that. Well, I mean, it's not even that sophisticated because he's basing all of this on the first increase in the death rate since 1999. He says, quote, the fact that people are dying slightly younger won't cure corporate America's pension woes. But the fact that companies are taking it into account shows just how serious the shift in America's mortality trends is. The problem is, even as the graph he himself shows and it's a grant from the National Center for Health Statistics, it just shows this tiny little upward blip at the end, which is pretty meaningless. I mean, yeah. look through the graph, and you see similar blips in the early 80s, early 90s, early 80s, late 80s, and the one in the early 90s was actually pretty severe by comparison. Yeah, yeah this was that. just a little... And then yeah. this thing... Because it, it could go worse. It could be like 1950, where it was, wow, it was a little higher, so... Yeah, but, I mean, you get these little blips up, and then after that you have a regression to the mean, and the downward trend continues. But you know, there's this little blip, and like, oh, no, the sky is falling. It's, it's, just, it's the, um, you know, uh, it is this whole uh, concept of this whole panic thing, this whole, you know, clickbait, panicking, this type of stuff that people are like, you know, oh, my gosh, this thing, this, that, and the other. It's not really that type of good journalism it gets people around up in fear have them people like you know stop power all this other stuff and then a couple months later it goes away and people sit there you're like oh well we just wasted up time money and uh energy uh for no uh for uh for no reason yeah and, you- and even worse it just it numbs people to the fact that there is something really bad happening they'll just get numb to it as the old saying goes you supply the pictures i'll supply the war Yes, and I mean, he, he fearmongers all over the place. He says, quote, absent a war or an, epi- or an epidemic, it's unusual and alarming for life expectancies in developed countries to stop improving, let alone to worsen. But not on this tiny little scale. I mean, this is, this is like random noise or something. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, you know what this kind of reminds me of, Shane. It kind of reminds me of some of those people, you know, where like when you did, when you tell them about a revolutionary new medicine that will greatly improve our lives, people are like, "Oh my God, that means people are going to live longer, produce more, and then we're going to become overpopulated and all die." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a complete myth too. And yet, people in this, um, you know, in fact, aren't we still like if the entire world uh, can um, basically 
you know, stand in one place, like for example, Texas, you know, it, isn't that like there was a saying that you can have fit the entire planet, like, you know, one state like that, you know, big state in Texas and, you know, all 7 billion of us, if we stand together and we'll be just fine. So it's like every, if, if the average size of a family is four people, then everyone would get a quarter acre lot in yeah. Texas. So yeah, it would be it wouldn't be too terrible. And everyone explains this, oh my gosh, the world is coming to an end. It's it's this again, this fear mongering. And I think uh I fall for this sometimes. We all do, but it's just, you know, you have to look and measure these type of things. You have to look at it in such and meanwhile, you know, these uh Pellers, you know, these guys, and you know, sit there. You know, uh, this uh, John Tassi who just does these like huge type of these stories, they profit from these, and it's not yeah. really that, um, you know, that type of good journalism. It's just, you know, again, this this tabloid type news, which is sadly has crossed over into some cases of the new media and such, you know, yeah, the new ball, same as the old one, yeah. And I still, and I still can't forgive the mainstream moves for getting rid of Michael Flynn. Because Michael Flynn yeah. was like was like one of the few politicians who actually gets it. Like he was making statements that says, you know, I think one way we can reduce terrorism is to stop interfering and all that. And then what happens? He gets he gets you know Donald Trump is pressured is pressured into firing him. Why? Because some because someone somewhere on the internet said, oh Russia Russia's hacking hacking the elections, and Michael Flynn knew about it. Yeah, and Simon. this. Simon Petrikov in the chat just said, monarchism is better than democracy. Well, I guess you do have fewer targets when the revolution comes. That's true. (laughs) And then the the revolution, for the most part, is going to end up up killing itself, like like what happened in France. It is, and that's the worst thing, if you want to go talk about that, is... You know, is people always want to say the most loudest and say, "Oh, we want revolution," but when they do get it, they have no idea how to make anything yeah, work. That's what, yeah, they don't have yeah. any, you know, any plans or anything. They'll just say, uh, and they'll go running back to the former master, say, "Hey, how do you do this?" And dude, how do you do that type of stuff? That that's how it is. That's that's how communism that, survives. That, that, that reminds me of this funny um, comic, you know, political comic I once saw. It was from the nineteen seventies when um. Uh, when um when uh, there was a country called Rhodesia, that's what Zimbabwe used to be called. And after the communist guerrillas took over and put Robert Mugabe in power, he basically passed all these laws, which basically made it virtually impossible for white people to live there. So they all left, all left. And what happened? Their economy crashed because nobody knew what to do. Anything. Oh there was, yes. Yeah. There, there was this funny political comic which shows Mugabe, Mugabe sitting on a tractor, and behind him are some dead white people, and he's turning around saying, "Uh, could you tell me how I start this thing?" Exactly. And now he's begging. He is begging for white people to come back to his country. It's yeah. again, if you, it, it is easy to to do the revolution, but if you don't have anything, you know, it's like for example, people are like um, this whole uh, show. I think it was on the Amazon Prime show about Black America or something like that. Um, you know. Uh, where uh, the dude behind Boondocks making it, and people are like it's gonna be great. I'm like, I hope he does. I hope. That um, what that thing is uh, made, they have better have people. You know, uh, don't fantasize. Oh, it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be all good. No, he better have the uh, wherewithal to make sure that you know how to form government, how to form all these type of things. Because if you don't, you're gonna end up like a failed state. You're gonna be running back to the people who, uh, you know, uh, you know, you ran it last and say, hey, uh, he help us out, and thus you're being back in the same position. 
Yeah, and South Africa is going through a similar thing as I was describing. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, I tell this to people all the time when I criticize the ANC. They're like, oh, so you want apartheid back? No, I'm just saying that all that should have changed when when South Africa became more democratic is they should have ended the apartheid laws, but that's it. The problem with South Africa is like, oh, we got to do more than that. Now we got to start redistributing everything. We got to, you know, we got to make it so everyone gets their fair share and all that. And now you get modern day South Africa, which is failing. Oh, yeah, a failed state. And. And it's again people who think they know this whole this this this, yeah. this concept, and you know this is why uh, China is coming in and buying all that land. And um, I, you know there was a documentary about this, and um, 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 it is um, really. And I saw one a segment of it. It is basically just you know the uh, Chinese first time this black dude saying, "Oh, we had this revolution." Black dude's like, "We had this revolution like fifty years ago. We were free and everything else." And he said, "Yeah, but what did you do? Did you pick up and learn anything? Did you?" Uh, the Chinese like, "Did you do anything? Did you actually set up things up?" It's no, it's just a revolution. We just got our freedom. We just did this, that, and the third. But no, did you learn it? Do you know how to go governments and everything else? And he's like, "No, we didn't do that." The black dude, uh, black dude say he didn't do that, and he's like, "Chinese man basically said, we just have to." This is going to take generations just to clean that this mess up, yeah. and that's a yeah. shame because once you, it's easy to say the revolution, easy to do that. It's easy to say revolution. You easy to say all this type of stuff. The hard part is is actually knowing what comes after. That's why the American Revolution did so well, actually, because you know we had smart yeah. people who were taking command and everything. Yeah, yeah, uh, people who actually had an idea of how things should be done. Yeah, and actually, and actually. But as you were describing, you know, Charles, that actually reminds me of this um, video I saw one time, which flat out showed the real reason why Africa is poor. And the reason why Africa is poor is not because it's destined to be poor. It's because, as you pointed out, you know, when it was going through the process of decolonialization, there were all these revolutions and all that. And it was good, you know, that they were no longer under European control. But the problem was that a lot of their new leaders were idealists who think they could just basically get rid of everything and start from the ground up. And they couldn't, you know. Because, you know, ironically, as you know, just like that one college girl who said science was pro-colonialism, that's what they all said. They all said, said even the good ideas like democracy and free markets, that's colonialist ideology, so we can't have it. We should all be teaching voodoo. Yeah. Oh, and it's just that type of stuff again yep. and again. And until um, when you it's again, you know, I, you know, this video with I think uh, the rapper uh, Killer uh, Mike, I think is, is that, that. Yeah. Um, and he said like this pretty much. He said, how many uh, he asked people like in the, the pro by cautious and said, how many of y'all know how to um, uh, uh, fish? How much? How many of y'all raise hand that they bring up? Like, how many of y'all own a gun? Uh, raise how many how do you shoot it? That last people raise hand. How do you know how people know how to fish? How to plant gardens? Know how to do all this type of stuff? And their hands got lower, lower. There's not many people do. I'm like, you yeah. can't talk about revolution if you can't do this stuff by your own self, getting food and everything else. And he yeah. got booed, but he got the crowd back on him. Side, but it's pretty much right there. If you could talk about revolution, that's fine. But if you don't know how to take care of yourself, it's just meaningless, and you just go right back to your oppressors telling you how to run things. Yep. All right, back to the story. So, uh, yeah. sorry for that. Oh, we had stories. Oh, we have a story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, check out this quote. Yeah, this is John Totsi again. Quote: Life expectancy at 65 rose by just about four months between 2010 and 2015, half the improvement recorded between 2005 and 2010. Okay, let's do a bit of math. Four months over a 65-year period. That's a little over half a percent. 
So things got better by half a percent as opposed to getting better by one percent. And this means the apocalypse is coming or something. Yep. It, it sells papers. The, the, you, what will sell a better uh, website get more clicks? Saying, okay, this one point percent of you know, uh, things getting a little bit better and all this type of stuff. Or saying, oh my gosh, you know, you know the rich companies are coming together. Make sure you don't get paid much you know, anymore. Uh, and all that type of stuff. Which sells better, like I said. No, you got to realize yep, and that's that. exactly it. You got to realize that news, they don't like they're not making money off the stories. They're making money off the ads. So, you know, yeah. it's they're not really in the business of news. Think of them more as the business of advertising. They're in the business of clicks. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Yeah, John Stossel, he did a, you know, back in the 90s when he was in ABC, he did a whole program on this called Media Hype where he talks about how how the news, they do it all the time because they need to sell those ads. So they basically just take, you know, even, you know, even if the story is somewhat true, they over-exaggerate it to the umps degree. Yeah, yeah. Daniel's warming up for his uh, big performance. <laughs> oh, I thought my mic was off. Yep. <laughs> okay, it's, on. it's on. It's <laughs> on. It was beautiful. Yeah, so he's taking what's probably yet another short-term blip, using it to spread fear about an unknown future where we all die, but the corporations gleefully profit somehow, so... Yeah. For that reason, only John Totsy could be this week's biggest bogan emitter. All right, you ready, Daniel? Uh, yeah, I'm going to try something a little new. All right. All right. And now let's induce vomiting onto this week's Idiot Extraordinary! The voice of an angel. Uh, and that's like that. Everyone's listening to headphones, and now, well, about but, to sue Shane. A voice of an angel. If a Alex died and became an angel, that's probably what it <laughs> an angel. Sorry, All right. we, you know, we were talking about the Dalek thing before, and I just <laughs> gave it a shot. All right, this week it's the FDA who has decided not to learn from either history or science and mandate that the nicotine levels be lowered to curb addiction exactly as it's been shown not to do. And wow. this would actually be the first time the FDA has regulated nicotine levels in cigarettes, but back in the 60s, the tobacco companies sought to increase nicotine concentration, but they backed down when the news media hit the ceiling and politicians threatened with regulation, and so now they actually want to make it so they have to lower the amount of nicotine in a cigarette. Because if you lower it, obviously it stops people from smoking. Yeah, Obviously. yeah, yeah. It's and not to mention, if I recall correctly, nicotine isn't even that dangerous. And yes, that is the addictive part of it. But even then, it's not that as addicting as people think it is. You know, well, we'll yeah, get into the science in a minute, but let's get to what he said first. So this is FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb quote: "The overwhelming amount of death and disease attributable to tobacco is caused by addiction to cigarettes. The only legal pr- consumer product." That, when used as intended, will kill half of all long-term users. Unless we change course, 5.6 million young people alive today will die prematurely later in life from tobacco use. Just legalize weed. My mom said she would quit if, you know, we basically just legalized weed. Well, it's funny. (laughs) It is interesting how 
tobacco, this 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 legal drug has destroyed so many lives, families, um, and um, do all this type of horrible and terrible things is still legal, but yet something like weed, which has no death, no one killing, and everything else, is still illegal in most states, and in fact, is still like a the top like drug, you know. Um, thing over you know and uh the uh the uh, atf and everything will you'll put you if you're smoking weed in some place you're basically your career your life your career everything will be destroyed and you'll be yeah. sent to a you know prison yeah. for the rest of your life you know, four or five but it's, years it's, we're trying to help you though by arresting you and destroying your life and your reputation because yeah. if we don't drugs will destroy your life yeah, and, and, <laughs> yeah that, that was one of the craziest things i've ever seen like when i was studying for like a pharmacy technician was that I seen marijuana as a Schedule One drug, and I was just me like, yeah, I'm not gonna do this. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, tobacco has a better lobby. So. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as far as e-cigs are concerned, the FDA is talking about regulating them too, but they say they'll give them more time to submit them for review. So they're being nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's the problem. The reason why people smoke cigarettes is duh, because they're addicted to nicotine. So they need to get their fix, which means they need to get a certain dosage to stop the craving. Inhaling it means that the nicotine gets to the brain in something like 10 seconds, basically before they can take the next puff. Watch people smoke, you know, when you're, it's outside a, uh, an office building or something like that, and you see all the people on their break standing around smoking. Watch them. They don't always finish that last cigarette. They oh, stop yeah. when they get to the dosage their brain's demanding. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, most of the most of the people most of the people at my work they smoke all the time and they and they don't even finish the cigarette. They just like smoke it till it's like halfway, then they discard it. Yeah, take a peek in the ashtray and see for yourself. Yeah. But nicotine, as someone else, I'm sorry I forget who someone said earlier, nicotine isn't really the dangerous part of the cigarette. It's the tars and the other crap in them. If you force tobacco companies to lower the amount of nicotine in an individual cigarette, it means that people are going to be smoking more cigarettes to get their fix, meaning they'll get more of the tars and other crap. This will just so add to the death toll. This will add to the death toll from the FDA. Yep. Yeah, I'm linking to a study published in the New England Journal of Medicine, which found that smokers of low-nicotine cigarettes nonetheless consumed the same overall amount of nicotine as measured by actual blood concentrations. Hmm. And, I mean, even considering applying it to e-cigs, which is one of the most effective smoking cessation tools ever invented, are you really just saying that you want more people to have more health problems? Well, Maybe so you can justify even more government intrusion? That's what the game is, is that yeah. they are yeah, doing this said- just to uh, – I'm sorry, but, uh, but I want to make my little point here. Uh, okay. Just to bring in, um, you, know, um, you know, just say, we'll help you, but, oh, we'll get, if you're feeling more sick, we'll bring in more governments and such. And, you know, because, you know, that always works. Yep. No, if they didn't make it so expensive to actually just sell – the actual vapes and the e-cigarettes. Gotta help you. The only thing you're allowed to take, the only thing you're allowed, you're allowed to do is um, do is uh, as a group like Alcoholics Anonymous, which has been proven to not work. What were you going to say, Daniel? Uh, I I forgot. Oh, all right. But I'm also linking to an article about a study published control. in published in Nicotine and Tobacco Research oh. showing that vaping low nicotine e liquid 
low nicotine e-liquids can increase exposure to carbonyl compounds, which can cause cancer. So that's just going to harm the health of vapors, not help them. Hmm. Yeah. And guess what? They also yeah, say they're so going to regulate kid appealing flavors because no adult likes the taste of strawberries or something. <laughs> yeah. It's, what? It's, it's, so, it's so hilarious. You know, like how they make those e-cigs and like different flavors and people, and people are like, Oh my God, they're trying to advertise it for kids. No. Yeah, they always make that excuse. A uh, cartoon character. Oh, it must be going to kids, but cartoons aren't just for kids. Oh, the yeah. reason why they do this is because they want to, um, you know, government wants to have that type of more influence and more people, yeah. you know, this type of thing. And anything that makes people think their children might be the target of this sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Don't they'll always think about the children unless they're, yeah. you know, it's like, won't yeah. someone think of the children? And hey, did, you meanwhile, you did you ever do a quickie on that? You know, the whole think about the children argument. I don't know if I did or not. I'll have to check on that. Yeah. Because that, 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 that would be an excellent quickie, because I cannot tell you how many bad laws are passed because people said, think about the children, cough, cough, Megan's law. Yeah. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's put, yeah, let's, let's make it so that way, so that way a, a convicted sex offender can't live anywhere, can't get a job and all that. That'll teach him. So he's going to end up committing crimes because he can't support himself legally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, yep. he's already living that life of danger, so why not just hop yeah. into some I saw, I saw, I saw a documentary about that. You know, I mean, you know, there were all these people saying, oh, my God, there's this there's this little commune of pedophiles, you know, living near us, and they're going around stealing. While well, a reporter went down there, and the people said, the reason we do that is because we have no other choice. Megan's Law says we can't get a job. We can't live in certain areas. So what are we supposed to do? Yeah, someone, I think it might have been John Stossel, was looking at something like Chicago, and Chicago had passed laws like they can't live within, you know, 500 yards of a school, within 500 yards of a church, 500 yards of a playground, and listed all the places on the map, and there was basically nowhere in the entire city that they could go. Yeah, except, except, for, except for like a giant, except for this little area underneath the, underneath the highway freeway. Yeah, but in order to get there, you have to go through some areas you're not allowed. Yeah, it's it doesn't like, make any sense. It doesn't so it say you can't live there or you can't be there. Yeah, I think it was you can't be there. Because yeah. you said live before, and that's an oh. entirely different. Actually, oh, actually, 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 I saw actually I saw a video of um Bill Clinton signing into law Megan's law, and one guy posted funny in the comments saying, "Yeah, isn't it ironic that a child protection law law is on um, being signed by a guy who's had his fair share of." Share of sex of inappropriate sex with his secretaries. Yeah, and and, and again, there's. So, I mean, that's the thing. Is uh, all is it basically if you're accused, that's pretty much you're done. That's or yeah, pretty the, much yeah. That that to me is that, that right there. If you're accused of it, if you're not proven of the of the crime, then you shouldn't be going to uh, doing all these type of things because you know, heck, um, honestly, you know. The way we do our law system in this country is very screwed up, and even and even better. Even if they do go to prison or anything else, we don't rehab. We do, it's a punishment, vengeful thing. It's always vengeance and all this type of stuff yeah. that beats people down, and then and then you basically doing um, you know the, uh, you know social you know, you know uh, solitary confinement, which has basically been what um, proven that was pretty much torture. And yeah. 
and now you know, people are like, well, you know, but they, they it's always convinced people will just say, and, and that's the real hard thing is that to convince the people that what you know that they uh, uh you know the people are like you know hey you know they they you know we have to humanize them uh, the prisoners and such people don't want that like they're all evil and everything it's that binary type of thinking yeah and until we get rid of that uh like you know we have to change people's minds uh, they will win the hearts and minds of people and humanize them and honestly i think shows like or uh, orange is new black is probably helping in that aspect you know, I think we, we can see eventually um, we'll move more to other countries where they handle, you know, you know, prisoners and such. So wait, yeah, if, if Orange is the New Black, does that make people making fun of Trump racist again? <laughs> well, I, I, also, uh, uh, oh, yeah, and I remember what I was going to say, you know, and actually going back, you know, I mean, I've actually met a ton of people, you know, who have said, you know, that. 90% of the time, people will go to jail for just completely minor offenses, but it's there where they learn how to successfully commit major offenses. You know, I mean, a perfect example of this is Juvenile Hall. You know, all those correctionals say, yeah, yeah, going to Juvenile Hall to your 21, that'll teach you to be a good citizen. Guess what? Most criminals said, that's where I learned how to be a criminal. Yeah. Oh, actually, did you hear about the um, one guy who was stuck in um, isolation for five years and, like, they kept changing his um, date to go to court? They wow. kept changing it. So, of course, you know, he went mentally. He oh, solitary mentally confinement is just pure inhumane. Yeah, yeah that's torture. It's torture. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a video of what the cells are. They're they're tinier. They're tinier than a closet. There's no window. All you have is a bed. And in some cases, they even, if you have to go to the bathroom, they just give you a bucket. Hmm. Yeah, in that, in that documentary, in that documentary, that person, there was actually one person when they saw that scene, they're like, they commented saying, wait a minute, I thought, this was a, was in America, not uh, not Turkey. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. yeah. This is the same kind of thing with the uh, FDA and the nicotine. They're using completely bogus reasons to pass regulations that will not solve the problem, but will result in more harm to smokers and vapors. So that's the kind of thing that'll get someone like the FDA named this week's Idiot Extraordinaire! Beautiful. I can't hear now. <laughs> uh, I tried to turn my headset down to the lowest volume. Thank, I can still what? hear it. Thank Shane for, expi- for inspiring me to switch it up this week. Don't blame me for that. That was all you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is it for another live edition of the Bogosity Podcast. All right, thank you too. Let's see, we have Charles Thomas. Thank you, Chris Hangartner. Thank you. It's a Bannons. All right, see y'all, Jonathan. Thank you. And Wait, wait no, I'm not Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, what is this? Yeah. Oppression. <laughs> I don't know. We all can't hear anyways right. when he's calling our name. And thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from John Stossel. Generally, the control freaks only increase control. Take cigarettes. At first, it was just warning labels. Then bans on TV ads. Then they required restaurants to have no smoking sections. Then came the bans on airplanes, schools, workplaces, entire restaurants. Then bars, too. And now, sometimes apartments and outdoor spaces, even. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international license.